Welcome everybody back to the Disrupt Education Podcast. I got Allie Privet. What's up, Allie? How you doing? I'm I'm well. I'm ready to innovate and you know disrupt uh, everything we're going on. And then I'm gonna hop in a plane and go skydiving. <laughs> We've got a few thoughts on intros for those listening and watching uh, for the summertime. Just you know, might be fun. Who knows? So. We're going to test your accuracy on your landing skills. Uh, I think that's, I'll just leave that there. Last week, we had a wonderful podcast, uh, really kind of uh, helping teachers understand, you know, what to look for uh, before they pick a school, they choose a school, because it's more and more prevalent in today's market as an educator going into it with the um, teacher shortage and all for them to be able to now take more control of the process and be able to select rather than be selected. We started talking about innovating schools. Um, yeah, we're innovating. So <laughs> we got a whole thing about that. But, um, you know, Ali, you kind of found this and dug into it. Um, and you, we, you know, you, you added some great resources in a list. Um, what made you think of that when we were talking about this uh, last week? You know, it's like when we're thinking about educators and feeling empowered and and in in their kind of choice, it was like, well, okay, here are some general things, you know, just like that you can look for up front. But then also, you know, I think sometimes it's hard when you're in the system or considering being in the system, like what is something that's truly innovative or disruptive? Because most likely, most people listening to this went to a traditional, you know, public school, private school, you know, sit and get type schooling experience. And most people working in education, I don't know the exact statistic, but most schools are still doing that traditional model. They might have some, some programs, but we wanted to kind of be like, okay, one, if you're in the system, what could you be pushing for? Like, what could you be advocating for? Mm -hmm. And then if you're really wanting to switch or get into education in a totally unique way, what are some, what are some cool ways that are doing this? And I found this awesome resource, which I know we'll, we'll put in the notes mm -hmm. that just came out in September of 2023. So it's fairly recent and it kind of talks about innovative high school schedules. And that's kind of like, I think if we look at, the foundation of innovation, especially at the high school level, it's going to come down to completely throwing out the playbook yeah. of what a, what a school day looks like. And then we have other ideas beyond that. But I, for me personally, and other educators that I know I've talked to, the school schedule is a big, big issue. <laughs> <laughs> it's one that is so like ingrained or entrenched that, you know, it can seem like the biggest hurdle. And so like, if your school district is totally against switching it, mm -hmm. then you might just start looking for school districts that have already made the change. Right. Cause they're out there. Um, this article and, and it's getting smart. Um, and yeah, it, it came out in uh, September, right. Um, it was a great article. We'll, we'll put it into, uh, the, the comments. Um, but, I, you know, I've taught 
in a block and uh, a block schedule where there's four. Um, we talked a little bit about that uh, in previous episodes. I like that better. Um, it seemed like the, the, but you know, some people don't, you know, which I get. So basically a block schedule for those who don't know you're, you're, it's more, it looks like a college model a little bit more. Each class is an hour and a half. You only meet every other day. Um, so you may meet with your students three times a week or twice a week. So you might have Monday, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or there's a modified block. I'll hold off on that right now. I don't want to confuse everybody. Um, so you see each other every, uh, every other day. It's not every day. It's not so regimented. Um, there's less movement in the building that you go. I had a feeling that I could go deeper with students, really have more relationships, um, talk to them a lot more rather than rushing through a, a 48 minute period. So the traditional we're talking about high school, by the way, and in some middle schools um, is eight periods or seven periods a day, usually. Right. Um, so they're around 45 to 50 minutes each period. So they go by fast. Um, but I like the blocks, but but we're looking at and as a matter of fact, uh, I saw a couple of places on here. We will have somebody. Well, we already talked to uh one person from uh, Caps Network um, who has the halftime structures. Um, and I've also uh, talked with Iowa Big, which is the, another halftime uh, structure where students are only there for half a day and then they go off to another thing. So Iowa Big and the Caps Network were that second half of the day um, where it's just it's not rushed. It's just a learning area. Um, and we'll have some more people talk a little bit more about that. But um, yeah, what were some of the other ones in the article that you saw? So there was this idea of a double block. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thinking about maybe only having two classes a day yeah. and this kind of big open time for projects. I'm not uh, sure on, you know, like how many classes or, you know, structured all of that but it's that's intriguing it's like even expanding it more like so maybe you only see a class once a week um mm -hmm. and then there's more self-directed learning there also was um part of summit learning campuses mm -hmm. and they did they do three big blocks two smaller blocks but what was really interesting and I thought innovative is they do these two-week expeditions and we've heard that before yep. um I and that that seems like a really interesting um kind of break in between courses mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it says they do it eight weeks a year so they're doing this four times two and two week segments and i mean I, I if i'm thinking about like oh man that would invite travel opportunities or off campus real world you know community type projects etc to me, that's super exciting as um, an educator, and it could be built into, you know, whatever the curriculum is so easily um, it, and totally different. I mean, I, I never had heard of anything like that yeah. when I was when I was growing up or even teaching. Mm -hmm. So then, um, I'm I'm I actually was going to be around something similar to what Building Twenty One is talking about competency competency based high school mm -hmm. with um kind of a this one talks about six to 12 weeks of study around a designated learning competency i i know that the one that the district i was going to be part of was thinking more i think six to eight weeks but you know it would be this kind of uh student-led as well as 
teacher kind of partnership and like what are the things we have to cover and then like what are your interests and kind of design that i don't know exactly what building 21 does but mm -hmm. i love a competency-based um model because it totally throws the schedule out the rule book and then um purdue polytechnic high school is apparently doing a totally individualized schedule mm -hmm. i you know part of me my my brain like explodes a little bit thinking about <laughs> how big this school is and every single kid having individualized schedule but then i think you know as an educator it has to be competency based if you can move someone forward and they have projects or they're self-directed in their learning and you're really truly the guide the coach you know mm -hmm. helping them through those learning outcomes there's not like this day-to-day -day need to like lecture this chunk and do yeah. this lab and um this very kind of routine based model or mm -hmm. schedule super locked in model and uh, so those are just i mean again uh, you can dig more they have links to all of these schools to learn mm -hmm. like more but they were they're very innovative and I think disruptive at a high school level for sure. Um, not, not anything I've personally seen or experienced. Yeah. I, I feel that with schools understanding now look at from, from a, from a faculty or teaching side, the, the less rigidness, the more flexibility that you have, the more time to work with others and peers, teachers as well. Right. You, I mean, I've always viewed, students as clients they're there to learn a subject matter from me and or the project that they're going to build um and that to me is very important however you know in business you don't just sit with the customer all the time you work with your peers and so if you're a high school uh an administration um again if you are struggling to get teachers in your building it's time to start looking at these innovative structures um, we haven't said it yet, but I'm going to say it right now, the four day work week, you know, um, you know, there are different, even in the, even in here, you know, big picture learning typically spends two days a week in internships. So the students aren't even at the school or they're maybe working in the school, but it's not so rigid. So we're talking about a three day week where you're, you're working on, um, those types of, you know, curriculum. We're looking at an educator here. Happy teachers make happy students. And unhappy teachers quit. Okay, And unhappy structures do not get the teachers anymore. So I want to be very clear with what we're trying to say here. Obviously, these things are going to benefit students. You know, ease of students of understanding some, some kind of their social life, education life balance. Um, which Gen Z and Alphas were really into, um, and but but not leaving the teachers out. Like you know, don't just take a four day work week and then then provide this overarching top down PD on day five every week. You don't you don't want to do that. You want to look. We love this. We love educating people right in and outside of the classroom. Trust me, if you let it go and you give us flexibility, according to the state or whatever your laws are, you're going to see, number one, more teachers coming to your place. Not Sometimes like not even 
not even taking the bigger money, right? Uh, I know hundreds of people, not only teachers, who have taken a pay cut to be happier at work, right? And and by the way, teachers who are leaving are usually doing that anyway. So um, so that's something that I really see. Like th this was a, a great place to start, Ali, because man, that schedule, like, I mean, it is, it is rigorous. Like it is tough on the students, but it's also tough on the educators. Um, you know, just, I don't want to complain, but I just want to give the people what, what my schedule looks like right now is I got one period. First period is a career internship. Second period is an intervention, or, uh, I have my own advisory. Third period is another career internship. Fourth period is a an entrepreneurship class. Fifth period, if I'm not subbing within the building, is a kind of off lunch period. Sixth period goes right into entrepreneurship. Seventh period is um, a, a duty that I work with, uh, kind of watch over a calculus class. And I'm not in the same classroom twice. So look, the days are going fast and I'm built for this. But a lot of people aren't. That schedule would make so much, so much of a difference. It would. And and I'm going to kind of, we have kind of a working list for for mm -hmm. this podcast. But one that kind of fits in really nicely to this one is um, maintaining or returning planning periods. Yeah. So yeah. there has been, because of the shortage overall, um, some creep in teacher duties. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I know many school districts that have, quote unquote, um, changed their contract language in recent years to basically say, OK, you have one planning period that is yours. Maybe it's 45 minutes to an hour to, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it's only half hours. <laughs> your wife from last week we talked about. But then your other planning period, you know, you're going to have some kind of duty whether that's hallway duty, lunchtime duty, I, I like you're going to have like a study hall in your class. And I don't I don't know this the entire scope of like what those duties could be. But just the mm -hmm. fact that like you are taking away teacher time, which ultimately who does that affect the students? Right. Because a, a schedule that is as packed as yours or as packed as your wife's. I mean, mine mine was similar. Mm -hmm. Um and I mean, the first school I taught, it was six of seven classes with a 50 minute class period planning time mm -hmm. and um, some days no planning time. The other one had two um, planning periods, either like two 50 minutes or one 90 minute a day. But that kind of model where you have more than one plan period is being is, is, is scarcer and scarcer to find. Right. It's super rare. And I think you're going to have to find a way like school districts want to innovate mm -hmm. to give educators more time during the day to create, to design, to think rather mm -hmm. than just like rushing about like a busy bee yep. worker bee that is not going to be able to create at a level and innovate at a level. Um, I know that it was when I went to my second school district and I had that extra planning period, I was able to rework so much of the curriculum and test and experiment so many new labs that ultimately increased student engagement and learning outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you're 
like whenever that was eliminated, whenever I had meetings or whenever I, you know, that time was taken up for something else. Well, guess what? All of the innovation, all the creativity, all of that got put on the back burner. Right. And so that's kind of like the crisis I see in school is like, yes, you have this shortage, but your, your main creators and your content providers are burnt out mm -hmm. and they're not going to change because that is cognitively a really time like mental intensive experience you can't do without like open space in your calendar yeah you can't expect teachers to do that in their summers either <laughs> no no um our school does something interesting when, we, when we're doing like our our duties and lunch duties and study halls um they actually it isn't written in the contract where it's extra pay um, and I, you know, I like it, but I don't like it. Right. I mean, of course, I, I mean, our straight salary is, is something. And then, you know, they put these pieces out there. So if you sign up for a study hall, then you get extra cash or whatever for, and it's not a bad incentive. Um, however, you know, there's a balance there, right? Do you, you know, I mean, do you really want people doing this? And, and it is kind of like, I, I feel like it's kind of the, the chef in the struggling um, restaurant where you're trying to save food, but it goes bad. You know what I'm saying? So you're trying to kind of, you know, burn the candle at both ends just to make ends meet. And it just doesn't, doesn't really always work. Um, but I will tell you like kind of going, uh, you know, in a little bit of different direction. Um, so, you know, I've, I've got two grown kids now, but the, the onsite childcare, is huge. Um, that that I remember um, at one of the schools they did have it where you signed up and your your kid was there. It wasn't just a hundred bucks a week though. <laughs> it was a little bit more. Um, but uh, you know things like that. You gotta you gotta think about like we're humans, right? As educators, and if we always have to be somewhere else raising other kids, aka teaching them. Um, who is taking care of our kids? And this was a big, big challenge, especially in um, in COVID, when um, certain schools made people come into the school and then teach remotely from the school. You still got to pick up. So you know, understand. Look, administrators, school board members, lawmakers out there who are trying to figure out this teacher shortage, there might have to be language that is changed. Number one. Um, in in your processes, um, but you know you can offer these things and try to figure out how to fund them. Um, but but again, you you you're gonna have to you're you're people are leaving. You know, <laughs> like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to compete with why people are leaving. People are leaving because they can't afford it. Right. And that goes yep. into the other one, the, the student loan debt repayment plans. I know a lot of high school students who are like, yeah, I don't want to be a teacher because you make no money. And, and you know, we had that previously. We have a we have a podcast on that somewhere along the way. But but, you know, I mean, we do pretty well because we don't have time to spend our money. <laughs> so but you have to think about this stuff like why are teachers leaving and then how that's got to be the problems. And then how, as a, as a school district, 
are you going to actually offer solutions to these problems so you can and by the way people will leave like i'm telling you man if so, if there was another school district that had an opening what i needed to teach or what i can teach that went four day work week i would seriously look like changing right now so the competitiveness yep. is is going to come so you might as well get ahead of it I don't know. I'm throwing you a lot out there. But. You like, absolutely. Like, this is the whole thing is like in yeah. a, innovation. There's never been a better time to be innovative in like the whole scope of mm -hmm. education and the, like throw, like throw it all out, you know, yeah. um, yeah. you know, or if you're starting a school, these are the types of things to consider. Mm -hmm. And I know it, something that I really look for is, you know, what kind of, um, health and wellness programs and then like gym opportunities or convenient healthcare, you know, does a school district have, is it on site even? Um, one of the schools that I worked at had a, um, a central based, um, gym with a personal trainer available for teachers in the summertime. They also offered it during the school year, but like, so it was really close to where I lived, but it mm -hmm. wasn't in my school. So it worked really, really well in the summer and because I could literally walk there and yeah. get have access to a free gym as well as I got personal training. I actually jump started like a whole bunch of like my weight training journey that I that mm -hmm. I did. Um, it was was this was this offering. And I remember thinking, wow, this is incredible. And it really should be something that most schools have. Right. Um, and. Oftentimes at the high school level, you may not, you may remember this or not. There's like typically a weight room for mm -hmm. athletes, for students, for gym class, you know, weight training class. Well, some schools have separate ones for staff mm. and it's not as common, but like, again, you want healthy teachers. Right. I know like being able to go, um, when we were doing virtual teaching and everything and my schedule was crazy wild. Um, I was able to, we had like these two hour blocks of time and, yeah. uh, and so I would go down to, cause nobody else was in the building except teachers for a while. Mm -hmm. I would go down and work out and, <laughs> and that's awesome. It was, so, it was so nice, but it's like something, a gym membership is not cheap. Um, mm -hmm. onsite healthcare, like I know get, having access to you know, if you have a, a cold or you need, you know, you have a flu, you want to test for strep and it's, it's on site. You don't need, like schedule an appointment is super easy mm -hmm. and convenient. Like I, you can't really put a price tag and it's all covered by your district. Right. Those are, those are benefits. And I think things that are on more of the cutting edge in, in just like employer type areas as a whole, but mm -hmm. certainly is something that you can entice a lot of people and people yeah. who probably are leading an active lifestyle because they're looking for those types of things. You want to bring in those that type of individual. Well, those are the types of services you might consider. Or if you're an educator, look for, advocate for. Right. And, and also to have time to actually do it, right? You know, I think I think a lot of th a lot of times um, schools will put in place some of these things, but then they don't offer you any time to do it. Right. Like, I mean, we have we have wonderful teachers that lead some of our wellness stuff and they're like, you know, meet up or whatever. But then, you know, the meetings like at four thirty, it's like I can't I can't do that. Right. Like I've been here since seven 
and I got to get home to see my kids or, you know, I, you know, it's, it's a lot of time. It's a struggle to actually have dinner on the table with your whole family. <clears throat> and that, that's, you know, those, you have to think about these things. Like as, as a, as a district, again, what less are you going to have the, the, the educators do? I think one of the things that is kind of on here, um, but it is, you know, how HR departments can help do things that are everyday things, um, you know, as they're going through their PD and their whatever they're doing, right? So let me give you an example. Once we go through our PD, our professional development, our hours and everything, we have to turn them into the state. So we have to do all that stuff. So you have to do, obviously we have to, we, everybody has to do a, a kind of a, a, a survey, but you know, to put the professional development, we have to log into our Illinois, it's Otis, it's, it's Ellis. I think I can't remember. It's one of those. Um, but you put in all your professional development and you got to type out or copy over all this stuff and it's time consuming, right? I've worked at districts where the HR department takes care of that for you. Not not actually going through the PD and not actually doing the survey because we have to do that, but actually putting those things in. Like those little things. If if you're a school and you're competing, which you will be soon if you aren't already for teachers, I would put those things out. Here's what we do. We do this for our teachers. We take this off of our teachers' plates, you know, kind of like you're saying, the monitoring, the home monitoring, the all that stuff. We allow our students a well-being so so they actually have time to do this within the work week. Folks, people are leaving because they can do like like you're look, Allie, you want to go to lunch in the afternoon? You go to lunch in the afternoon, you got flexibility in your time. Guess what? If we can build that flexibility into a school day, it's possible. And we just saw some ways that people are doing it, that this is what we're talking about. Um, you, even like teacher travel programs is something that you put down here, sabbaticals. I've seen it before um, where, you know, there are, I have worked in a district that, that did that. Um, and it was really nice. I know since one of the districts I worked at has kind of re kind of roll, uh, you know, reeled those in so they don't do them anymore. I mean, you have to think, you know, again, why are the teachers leaving? What can you do to kind of match Google? Okay. Like, let's be honest, what can you do? So I like that oh, one, the, the teacher up. travel programs and, and those types of things as well, you know. I think that it's a huge part of it. Um, you know, teacher travel programs, there's always so many cool, you know, summer, spring break, S, mm -hmm. you know, even winter break, fall break um, trips that teachers and students or just teachers could right. take as a type of sabbatical to kind of pay for their professional growth and development. I mean, if, if you're, if you're looking at a school district that allows that, I mean, think of what you could bring back. You can put a price tag on the type of experience that's going to enhance you as an educator that 
for the rest of your education career, you can then bring that back. Students were always super interested in my travels and how mm -hmm. I could use those experiences so often in the classroom. You know, like I'd be able to talk firsthand about water purity in different countries. And like, and as a chemistry teacher, the kids perked up because there was like a story behind what they were learning and why it was maybe relevant outside of the four walls of the classroom. And I, those were not fun. Those were like, I chose to prioritize travel in my twenties mm -hmm. and during summer breaks. But like, um, I know there were educators who fought for some of their trips to count as professional development right? and um, like ongoing learning sometimes getting some grant funding for it mm -hmm. they had to they had to fight for that imagine if you're a school district you're like look no we if you want to apply for a a, a a in district grant to go and travel and take a, like a four to six week or you know paid it mm -hmm. trip for your professional growth imagine i'm sitting in the interview chair and i'm like whoa that's not like anything I ever heard. And if you're encouraging that, you're going to get a lot of applicants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just are. And yeah. then I think of some school districts that I would, I think, oh man, it would be really cool to teach in this, you know, this city or this location. And I think, man, I could never afford that. Like the, if you look at the cost of living, it's so high. And so, um, or if you're more rural and there just aren't a lot of housing options. One of my friends lives in West Texas. In like kind of the, she does like national park stuff, not education, mm -hmm. but housing is, it's, uh, it's literally a crisis. Well, her work provided housing. Like they went and like found her a place to live so that she could then work there since they needed her there. And there's this uh, school district in Vail, Arizona that provides tiny affordable houses to attract educators mm -hmm. to that area. And I'm, I'm sure there are others, but like that's super innovative and you're going to get probably some really cool people to come work at your school district who would otherwise never even consider it because housing these days can be challenging. So it's just like an, another way to innovate and attract educators to an area that may otherwise never look at it. Right. Um, yeah, I, you know, I hear a tiny, tiny house, obviously at my age, it ain't going to work, but like. What I like about that, though, is is you're going to like if I was in my early 20s, well, late 20s, when I started teaching, I would totally like you're going to get an innovative person, right? Like somebody who's going to, you know, try some things and, and different things like that. Um, you know, going back on the on the, you know, travel programs as well. Um, yeah. You know, people are going to tell you, yes, you can get on an EF tour or we have and I went on an EF tour Um I also went to uh, Bar Harbor, uh, sorry, Bahaba, uh, Maine, um, on a on a um, you know uh, marine biology trip with you know uh, some of our uh, science educators in my first year uh, back in Indiana. Um, but I think the key here is what you're saying: the teachers have to fight for this. Look, if we want to be a nation where we stop crabbing about, I don't know, athletes and everybody else making all this money and man, our teachers should make this money. Forget about the money. Just start treating them like rock stars, period, right? 
not that you have to uh, put them in private jets and stuff, but if if you have an idea, like say Ali wants to go to the Everglades with a bunch of students just to see life, right? I'm butchering the the scientific side <laughs> life, right? And 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 maybe it's a two week trip or whatever. Um, have people on your staff to actually do the grunt work because guess what? Allie doesn't have time to do that. And then she has to take time out on her weekends and stuff. And I know, I know a lot of teachers who have done it once and they're like, I'll never do that again. I loved it. The students had changed lives. And I swear to you, it does change students' lives and changes teachers' lives. This whole podcast came from an EF tour, like a thought process um, in, in the whole movement. But having people there, again, time. There is no time. We have no time. And I'm not going to, I'm not complaining, right? I'm built for this. Some people are built for this, but a lot of people aren't. And if you want, again, going back to it, I keep saying it. If you want the the cream of the crop, if you want the best people, the most innovative people, you're going to have to innovate. You're going to have to do these things. Um, and then, you know, you know, put these different things out. Something as simple as, you know what, we're going to, we're going to buy you guys lunch like once a week something right like like throw you know those two little things out there and i don't want like cake okay i love cake but y'all put cake out there too much cookies no man like buy me a nice salad somewhere like a, a good good food you know for health right because this next generation ain't eating cake man i tell you what <laughs> and you're in that next generation you're like healthier uh -huh. than that so right but i mean like these types of innovative wellness you know things like if if you're going to demand teachers to be on campus all day, then make it a place that they want to be and where their kids are taken care of. If they have them families, mm -hmm. um, they don't have to worry about food. They can exercise. Um, if they aren't feeling well, it's easy to, you know, access health care in any kind of capacity. And, you know, when we talk, when we've talked to, you know, people about how school buildings are underutilized community resource centers. Mm -hmm. Think of the partnerships and expansions that's possible by, you know, having more of those types of programming and resources on campus. Um, you know, if you're going to require that, you know, if you don't mm -hmm. want to throw out the schedule and have bigger blocks of time, but even if you do, these are other things. It's like, you know, a a 30 to 45 minute workout in the middle of your day is a huge reset. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I was both times that I have been out to Bard College in New York to teach at the college level, I not only were all of my meals paid for, okay, housing, mm -hmm. um, but access to a workout center and I was encouraged to use it during the day on my breaks. Nice. Which I did. Yeah. And I think about like, yeah, I was, I was in an intensive experience teaching and it's, you know, it's like a marathon, you have to sprint and all of this stuff, but I wasn't worn out at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Like, because I, everything, like, I didn't have a lot to worry about, but I remember teaching and it's like, okay, I got to make sure I have enough food. And if I'm going to stay after school and like help students and I want to work out, then I have to figure out like, okay, I need to pack a change of clothes and I have to you know, like I have to bring extra snacks. And yep. I mean, there's like so much thought process that has to go into it. 
that you need to think of ways to remove some of those barriers. And you're going to find that teachers are, are going to love it. Mm -hmm. Um, any kind of change where you are giving back, right? Like, that's why I want to say, like, even if you're in a space, it's not going to totally throw out the, the schedule. Well, how can you advocate for things that would make your day-to-day better, Mm -hmm. um, and improve them overall, those can be a starting point um, for for school districts. And I mean, obviously, the the we started with, I think, the big ones. And these are other ways to innovate mm-hmm. um, just to kind of help help out teachers and right. students is ultimately going to come full circle. Yeah, it's it's a compet. It's going to get more competitive. It's not going to get easier. Right. Um, and uh you know, PJ Kaposi put out there a uh, a blog, uh, a blog, um, and we'll have to talk to him again because uh, he was amazing. Um, but he basically is like, "Guess what? Today's your best day ever because it's going to get harder and harder and harder." He, you know, and he knows this, and he also knows that even on the administrative side, it's going to get more difficult. Um, so I want to kind of ask. Uh, this is kind of a final thought here, Allie. But um, I may put you on the spot with this one. This one's coming out. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Don't know what for. But... If if one thing, what one thing, or maybe two, that a school would implement that would have you thinking, maybe I'll get back into the classroom uh, that we've talked about, or maybe something that we missed. What are maybe one or two things that we talked about that would be like, that would raise your eyebrow and say, you know what, I would maybe just take a look at least of going back into the classroom, um, even though you've left it. So, so in preparation for this podcast, I was not only looking at, you know, all of these things we're talking about, but then having conversations with uh, teacher friends and family Mm -hmm. about what in my mind would be kind of a dream schedule because mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll start with this is that everybody wants balance it's not just gen z and alpha it's mm-hmm. millennials gen xers even mm-hmm. baby boomers i mean more so mm-hmm. they're looking for balance the plate is full and like we don't need these full full days like think of all the technology has like all opened up for us so like let's remove stuff from our calendar and so we didn't necessarily really hit on this but a team teaching model where a teacher is kind of part time, mm-hmm. I think is really attractive um, and not done enough. Where you don't have to be, it's not, it's so uncommon. I have seen it happen where somebody, it's not even like a 0.5 position. I'm talking like, you know, you and someone else are collaborating and teaching something together. And like, yeah, you're not, you're each half time but you're working to like kind of build something outside of a traditional like solo position. Mm -hmm. I really, really love that idea. Um, I know it exists. And so something like that, where I wouldn't have to be at the school building every day and a part, it it would, it's seemingly part-time, but it would allow that flexibility of like time to create time to be on Mm -hmm. time to create time to be on because teachers are on most of the day it is (laughs) when you have you know 20 30 faces in front of you and they're waiting for you in some capacity even Mm -hmm. if you are doing individualized learning like even if you have a totally disruptive schedule 
they're still looking for you to have something to kind of move them forward with. And that's on time. Like you're, you are on <laughs> your mind is like just literally going a thousand beats a minute. It feels like, you know, yeah. just putting in the reps, answering the questions, problem solving 101, right? Mm -hmm. All those micro decisions that educators make. And so in some kind of non-traditional model that would also include collaboration and it's yeah. intentionally designed would totally pique my interest mm -hmm. and would be something that I would, I would tinker or be interested in mm -hmm. far more than any traditional model. No, thank you. That's, that's a great answer. And you know, that's it, that that's something right there. Um, you know, for those who are looking like you may have great teachers who are maybe want to get back in Florida, sort of, or maybe, maybe they just want to, you know, do two or three days a week. Um, and then, uh, you know, but don't make the mistake to say, okay, Ali, we're going to give you first and seventh period today. And it's going to be three days a week. And then, you know, oh, sorry, you have to be here, you know, four days and then it, it starts to pull up. So that's, uh, you know, just to be careful with that admin and, and people who are designing school days and structures. Um, I'll tell you for myself, it would definitely, I'm, I'm telling you, I know this would happen if there was a four day work week, uh, um, you know, even if we're doing 10 hours a, a day, which basically I do anyway, um, is I would definitely try to get into that school system, even with 21, 22 years. Um, and also with the different scheduling, you know, um, you know, I, I like the different, you know, half day, um, you know, block scheduling, those types of schedules, that would be number two on my list. Um, but that, you know, if, if I could teach and have that down day, I'm going to work. If, let's just say we got Fridays off or Mondays off. I'm going to work on that day. I'm I'm working Saturdays and Sundays anyway. So I'm going to work that day. But to be able to get up a little bit later, not go into school, save me some cash, save the school some cash because you're not using the entire facility. So there are a lot of different ways that, that you can uh, you can do this. So, um, yeah. Are there any other final thoughts that you have? Because this is a great one. I just hope we get the right people listening to it to where, hey, you know what? This is a chance for you to get your your teachers that aren't out there. I would just say, you know, February, we're sharing the love with teachers. We're trying to empower you. And really, you know, if you know of a school administrator, school board member, somebody in a position that, you know, they're asking these types of questions. Uh, share it with a educator friend, somebody who just kind of even businesses, you have somebody who is a contract, you know, mm -hmm. has a contract with a school district. And they're like, what are, what are, what are people looking for? Um, please share this podcast mm -hmm. with them so that, you know, it's kind of like a state of a starting point to think, how can we shift and change and contract negotiations are happen around this time of year. And if you know someone on that committee or is part of that process and they're like, what could we, what could we do? Who could mm -hmm. we talk to? You know, the, the article from getting smart lists a bunch of school districts as a starting point and jumping off point that can maybe give you someone to, you know, how did they even make that transition or start that process? So we want this to be a resource for you, the listener. And if you mm -hmm. have someone in mind that you think would 
could use this a particular episode, please share it with them. And um, yeah. And then drop us, drop us some love yeah. with like, yeah. what was, what was the part that, you know, you learned or, you know, what did we leave out? And, you know, like what, what other ways can districts innovate and um, how can we disrupt education beyond what we even talked about here? Last week, we talked about as an educator, teacher going in the job fair, what to ask, what to look for. Um, now we're offering um, school systems, districts, um, a little bit of, hey, what can you do to entice teachers to come to your place? Um, and next week, we're just going to totally drop off. If uh, if this none of this is for you and you're like, you know, forget about it, um, but I don't know what to do next. Uh, or it's a yes and I still need to supplement some uh, of my uh, my my income. We got it for you. So we'll be talking to uh, an expert in another field. Um, and I guess February is all about like, you know, the workforce. And, and you know, this is where people start questioning, am I going to go into next year? So uh, Allie and I wanted to put together a lot of a uh, lot of information for you to help you on your journey in education. Um, but for real. All you educators out there, we love you, um, administrators, board members. We know we're trying to do the right thing for kids um, and grow young minds and, and old minds alike. So um, for Ali Privet, I'm Peter Hostrasser. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Disrupt Education Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Disrupt Education Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you ready to disrupt the educational arena you're a part of? For more ways to get involved in the work we do here at Disrupt Education, check us out at disrupteducation.co or find us on LinkedIn at Peter Hostrosser or Ali Privet. Our mission here is to help facilitate and amplify changes in the educational system through local initiatives and help you scale them into community movements. Our building network of disruptors in education are working to move beyond scores and grades as the only measure for student learning. If your school district, college, campus, or organization is looking for facilitators of this work, reach out on our website or social media. And if you have any thoughts or feedback on this week's episode or any episode, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep pushing the boundaries, taking risks, and most importantly, disrupting education.